W263AI Murfreesboro. W270AF Murfreesboro. WGNS Murfreesboro. This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. We welcome everyone to the program. My name is J. Paul Newman. My co-host today is Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. And we thank our producer, Nick Cohen. Most of all, we thank you for listening. In our What's the Law segment, former District Attorney General Bill Weitzel will discuss an area of the law that you will find to be both interesting and educational. It is the law regarding post-conviction relief. To highlight the issues, Bill Weitzel will utilize the case of the State of Tennessee versus Jacquees Lyons. Assisting Bill in this segment will be Jacquees Lyons' former trial attorney, retired Rutherford County Assistant Public Defender Ray White. In our Inside the Court segment, Jennings Jones will tell you about recent and upcoming grand jury, general sessions, and circuit court activity. Then, in our cold case profile segment, we will be asking for your help in solving a murder. It is the 2010 murder of Nathan Morgan, Jr. To discuss the Morgan case, we have a special guest, Detective James Abbott of the Murfreesboro Police Department. We will begin the broadcast after you listen to these important messages. Here, Braves Baseball on News Radio WGNS. I'm Jim Powell on FM 100.5, 101.9, and AM 1450, your home of the Braves since 1981. Are you tired of constantly spending money on sprays and other things to control mosquitoes around your home? If so, come by Holden Hardware and get the Spartan Mosquito Eradicators. When used properly, the Spartan Mosquito Eradicators will kill up to 95% of the mosquitoes in the covered area for up to 90 days. This year, make mosquito control easier and cheaper. Come by Holden Hardware on the square and get the Spartan Mosquito Eradicators. This portion of the show brought to you by Mapco. How do you feel about two for three dollar Lay's or Cheetos? What about regular M&M's for only a dollar? These are just a handful of the sweet deals you'll find right now at Mapco. You'll be surprised how they always have great deals for your everyday cravings. And don't forget to download their My Rewards mobile app to earn points toward items like ice-cold fountain drinks and even fuel. The app is available for both iPhones and Androids. Stop by and save at your local Mapco today. 2006 at about 3 p.m., 19-year-old Daryl Frame was shot and robbed while standing outside of a barber shop on State Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Daryl Frame underwent surgery at Vanderbilt Hospital, but despite the best efforts of medical professionals, 21 days later, Daryl Frame died. 
The man who shot Daryl Frame was determined to be 18-year-old Jacquees Lyons. On Tuesday, June the 26, 2007, Jacquees Lyons' trial began in the courtroom of Judge Don R. Ash. Jacquees Lyons was represented by assistant public defenders Ray White and J.D. Driver. The prosecution team consisted of District Attorney General William C. Weitzel, Jr., and Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman. On Wednesday, June the 27, 2007, after listening to a day and a half of witness testimony, Jacquees Lyons changed his plea to guilty and admitted robbing and killing Darrell Frame. Lyons was sentenced, <coughs> excuse me, Lyons was sentenced to 25 years in prison, but that was not the end of the case. On April the 24th, 2008, Lyons filed a petition for post-conviction release and asked for a new trial. The petition was denied, and so was the appeal from that decision. Jacquees Lyons had claimed that Darrell Frame's death was not caused by him, but that it was really caused by medical errors. Lyons further claimed that his attorney did not adequately address the medical issues at trial. But the evidence showed that Jacquees Lyons' attorney did consult with a well-respected medical professional regarding the medical issue, and that doctor believed that the cause of death was not related to the medical procedures, but was caused by the gunshot wound. Lyons also attempted to make an issue that the doctor who consulted with the defense was the defense attorney's father and alleged that that was somehow improper. However, the trial court and the appellate court did not agree. They both approved the defense attorney's actions. Bill Weitzel has with him the defense attorney in the Lyons case. He is retired public defender Ray White, and they will discuss these issues and more in our What's the Law segment. What's the Law? Time now for an examination of the laws of Tennessee. This is not intended to be legal advice and is being presented solely for the informational benefit of our listening audience. You should always consult with an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Good morning. This is Bill Weitzel, and uh, good morning, Ray. Good morning, Bill. Glad to have you with us. Thanks. uh, I want to talk a little bit about... uh, the uh, three things or three elements you have to have for a crime and uh, use the case that we're discussing, uh, Mr. Lyons' case, to kind of emphasize this. And the first, uh, the first element the state has to show uh, is what's known as mens rea or the mental state or the intent of the defendant. And, and in Tennessee, there are four different standards of mens rea. There's intentional act, and that means that the defendant meant to do it. Uh, there's a knowing act, which means that the defendant was aware that the conduct could cause the result. Uh, there is what's known as a reckless intent, and also a uh, criminally negligent. Uh, reckless, uh, reckless conduct is described as conduct uh, where the defendant knows uh, that certain circumstances exist and disregards those. Uh, he doesn't give a hoot, is what I like to say. Right. And criminal negligence is where a defendant uh, 
should be aware of the circumstances and disregards those. In other words, a reasonable person would know that the conduct would likely uh, cause this result. And then uh, there's what's known as the act, actus ray. In other words, an act has to take place, uh, some, some physical action by the defendant. And then uh, a concurrence of the mens ray and the actus ray known as causation. Uh, in other words, that some specific injury or effect arose out of the combined state of mind of the defendant and, and his act. And that's what I want to talk about more in regard to Mr. Lyons. But before I do that, I want to say that uh, uh, a typical jury instruction concerning causation would be something like this. Before the defendant can be convicted of any degree of homicide, the state must have proven beyond a reasonable doubt that the death of the deceased was proximately caused by the criminal conduct of the defendant. The proximate cause of death is that that cause which in natural and continuous sequence, unbroken by any independent intervening cause, produces death and without which the death would not have occurred. The defendant's conduct need not be the sole or immediate cause of death. The acts or omissions of a person may work to cause death, and in such a case, each person would be regarded as the proximate cause. Now, in this case, uh, on the post-conviction petition, Mr. Lyons alleged that because uh, the defendant underwent surgery and uh, there was some... uh, sponges left inside that that ultimately caused his death and he argued uh, that was an intervening cause uh, of death which relieved him of his responsibility for causing the death and and therefore this was not a homicide and he said or his allegation was that you were ineffective uh, in failing to raise that and if you would explain to the to the folks listening what you did in that regard in preparation for this trial well, first, of course, uh, obtained through our mechanism called discovery, uh, all the medical records. I had an independent person review those medical records with me uh, re- regarding this wound that, that Mr. Frame had received. Uh, we settled the case in the middle of the trial before any medical testimony came in, so I was not able to develop that theory because of my client's uh desire to to settle the case but uh, as i told mr newman bill that he's got some time on his hands i don't blame him a bit for for raising that issue the court determined that 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 was not the case that i had prepared for that and and i would have been prepared if we would have gotten to medical testimony and uh in reviewing the uh, opinion of the appellate court on review of the post-conviction i noticed that um uh, when you testified in in the hearing, uh, you stated that you had gotten with your father, gone over all the medical uh, records, uh, and this issue about the sponges being left uh, in the in the victim's uh, body after the surgery, uh, you went over that, and and I believe your father said that it would not be unusual in an em- emergency situation where they were doing emergency surgery and then the victim in this case was later transferred to Vanderbilt Hospital to leave what's known as lap sponges in the victim. Well, and and 
it's, it's been a while, Bill, but my recollection of this is, is, is this wound to this young man's abdomen was just devastating. Uh, he, he had almost bled out by the time they got him to the local hospital here, and they stuffed him with these lap sponges, these blood expanders, all this, and got him to Vanderbilt where he could be operated on. And, and not only was it left in there, Bill, but this wound was left open the entire time mm-hmm. uh, in order to treat it because of reasons of infection and those kind of things. So it, it's just ugly, ugly all around. And in this particular case, ha- had, uh, say, had an infection uh, ultimately developed and killed the victim, that still would have uh, not been an intervening act significant enough uh, for him to avoid his responsibility for the homicide because uh, his shooting the victim is what set that chain of events in motion, and that would be a foreseeable circumstance. Uh, that's correct, and especially in the closest time as the death was to the shooting, there, there in, in my opinion, there was not an intervening uh, cause in this, but I, I certainly would have raised it if necessary at trial, and I would have questioned the medical experts about that. And, and I do want to say, Jay Paul had, had raised this, this is a tragic case. This, this started out because these two young men and guns and fighting and, and, and going back for for weeks and uh you know bill i've seen it you've seen it uh it's it's just an ugly cycle that some of these young people get into with this violence and and you know it's not fist fight anymore if you make me mad it's pull a gun and shoot somebody and it's it's just insane we uh in discussing the facts of the case uh mr newman stated that uh mr lines entered the barber shop and there was some conversation, and my recollection is that he asked somebody, is that the guy I had the beef with, or is that the guy I've had an argument? Or That's some, the exact word, the one I had a beef with. Yeah. That's it. And so there was some history between the there two. There was, and instead of, you know, like when I was in high school or 18 years old, you might have got a fat eye or bloody lip. Uh, both of them had guns that day. Well, I want to I wanna touch on this. Uh, and and you, you and Mr. Newman discussed it, but in this case, uh, Mr. Lyons pled guilty to second-degree murder, received a sentence of 25 years along with the robbery sentence, and you were in favor of that plea. Uh, you, you explained it to your uh, client, and you, uh, he was aware of all the possibilities, uh, and he was facing the possibility of life in prison. Uh, but... You know, a jury trial is always a crapshoot, and we'll never know. But uh, it's sometimes very difficult to get a defendant to understand what's in their best interest. Especially an 18 or 19-year-old young man. And that's the point I tried to make to him. I, and it was, you know, I'd known Jacques before this happened. And, and, and it was, you can, with a plea deal, and here's the evidence against you, you've been sitting here listening to to a day and a half of it you know what's coming here let me try to get you a deal where at some point you can walk out of jail and still have some kind of life in front of you yep and and especially from the public defender's point of view it's always uh, been my impression that uh, when the defendant hires a lawyer uh, and spends their money they tend to trust that lawyer more uh but when they are assigned a lawyer, 
they always think they're a little bit smarter than than their appointed counsel, or a lot of them do. Some of them do, absolutely. and uh, it, it puts you in a very difficult position sometimes. And then, if they don't uh, listen to you, they want to fire you. Uh, and that's fine with a private lawyer, but you don't get to do that with a public defender. No, uh, uh, Judge Ash used to say you don't get to pick your lawyer, and you don't have to like him for him to represent you. And and I I've, I, I can sit here with 100% certainty and tell you that it has never mattered whether my client liked me or not as to whether I did my job. Well, I, I would agree 100%. I've always found you to be a very competent attorney. I've always... Uh, found you to be very passionate about your representation of your clients and always seeking to do what's in their best well, I appreciate interest. That, Bill. And uh, I want to tell you, we appreciate you having on the show I'm, this morning. I want to talk about two other cases that are somewhat similar, uh, if I might, about causation. And I recall years ago there was a, a case where uh, there was an automobile accident. The uh, the driver was under the influence of an intoxicant. Uh, it injured the passenger. The passenger went to the hospital and 11 days later uh, died. And the uh, uh, defendant in that case was charged with vehicular homicide. And lo and behold, when his attorney uh, got the medical records, uh, they found that during a routine operation, not life-threatening, not to... Uh, uh, operate on anything that was life-threatening it was something to set a bone or something like that and for some reason the uh anesthesiologist the oxygen malfunction and he died uh, as a result of not receiving enough oxygen during the surgery and in that case the defendant's actions were not the cause of death right. because he was well on the road to recovery and then one that jumps out in my mind that it's uh Fairly recently, uh, the uh, robbery of an elderly couple in the Eagleville community. Right. And uh, they were beaten and robbed. And uh, some two to three months later, uh, the lady who had been uh, beaten and robbed died. Uh, the cause of death was listed uh, as, as heart failure. I, I'm confident that the robbery and the beating had something to do with it but obviously we could not prove the cause in that case right and i, I remember that and case. as a result the, the defendant was not charged with her murder uh so those are two cases where the causation uh the state could not prove it uh and in your case uh which was different i felt like we could due to the fact the medical examiner opined that the death was a result of the gunshot well uh my Professor in college of criminal law was Judge Shriver, the Nashville judge, had been around a long time. Uh, and he he really impressed upon us what the men's and actus and, and causation meant. Because if you can't get one of those, you can't convict somebody. And, and I start every evaluation of a case with men's and actus. Again, thank you for being with us. And in a minute, we're going to get an update on the courts. At Bud's Tire Pros, they care about those who live and work here because you're a big part of what makes this place great. This is Kay Mitchell at Bud's Tire. Come by and see us at Bud's Tire, 3600 East Main Street, or call 896-TIRE. They will be here through the good times and the uncertain times. For those who are out on the road, stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, they're essential. They're open. They're local. Visit them online at Bud's Tire Pros. If I could talk to the animals. 
Here at Animal City, we have an excellent variety of pond supplies and the expertise to help you get your garden pond looking beautiful. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. As we approach our 30th anniversary, our family at Animal City wants to thank you for your support. And for your convenience, we're happy to take call-ahead orders for curbside delivery. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurant. We're excited to announce that our dining rooms are back up and running. We may not be at full capacity and we may not have all of your favorite menu items or the favorite touches that you're used to having. But at the same time, we are excited to be able to serve you. We have brought our servers back. We have retrained them. Our cooks are excited to put the steaks on plates that you can cut with a real knife as opposed to plasticware from your home. And I invite your family to come and join our family back at Demas's Restaurants on Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Analexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms here this afternoon with partial sunshine developing a high into the mid-80s. Winds out of the northwest around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 74. Good morning. Watching traffic pick up even more so in the last few minutes here on 24. Up through the Hickory Hollow area, headed towards Nashville, slowing down. We've seen tons of radar already out here this morning, and I'm sure we're going to see more this afternoon as we head into the holiday weekend. Celebrate autumn at Obergatlinburg during Oktoberfest, September 25th through November 1st. All the details, obergatlinburg.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. This is Inside the Courts. A look at this month's trials, pleas, and grand jury action. Inside the Courts is presented as a courtesy of the Rutherford County Clerk's Office. Good morning, everyone. This is your District Attorney, Jennings Jones. And in this segment, I will be your tour guide as I take you inside the courts. We begin this segment by stating that none of the defendants named in upcoming trials or hearings have been convicted, and of course, they are presumed by our law to be innocent. With that as a prelude, we will now go inside the courts. The August grand jury returned 70 indictments to include five counts of felony theft, one of aggravated burglary, one for aggravated robbery, eight counts of aggravated assault, three counts of murder, 20 counts of felony drugs, in seven counts of crimes against children. As the listeners may know, the movement of cases through the court system has been greatly slowed down by the restrictions required by the coronavirus. As time has passed and the court systems have opened back up, we are getting ready to work through a tremendous backlog of cases. It is expected that the grand jury for the next several months will be much larger than normal. Of cases of note, Uh, Listeners may recall the charges against Christeris Allen. Mr. Allen was charged with two counts of aggravated rape in Jackson and one count of aggravated rape here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Mr. Allen has been found guilty in all of his counts and has received a sentence of 44 years to serve in Jackson, Tennessee, consecutive to 25 years here in Murfreesboro. It is expected that Mr. Jackson, pardon me, it is expected that Mr. Allen will serve the remainder of his life in the state prison. On April 9, 2020, 
Officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on North Rutherford Boulevard after being dispatched to a shooting resulting in the death of Mr. Stephen Lopez, Jr. Mr. Lopez, Jr. was found to have a single gunshot wound to his chest. Detective Richard Presley of the Murfreesboro Police Department was assigned as lead investigator. Following interviews with the owner of the residence and her son, James E. Evans III, warrants were issued for the arrest of Mr. Evans III. Mr. Evans has been charged with the second-degree murder of Stephen Lopez, Jr. Mr. Evans has posted a bond and made his initial appearance in the General Sessions Court with counsel. Mr. Evans has waived his right to a preliminary hearing in the General Sessions Court of Rutherford County and is awaiting presentment of this matter to the grand jury. On May 15, 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department were dispatched to Robert Rose Drive in response to a citizen complaint. While on a walk, a Murfreesboro man and his daughter discovered the remains of a deceased male located close to a homeless camp located in Murfreesboro. The victim was later identified as Mr. Gino Harris, age 50. The cause of death was determined to be homicide, a result of multiple sharp force injuries to the body, contributed to by blunt force injuries to the head. Detective Julie Cox of the Murfreesboro Police Department was assigned as lead investigator. Through witness interviews, Mr. Robert Jenkins was developed as a possible suspect in the homicide. After interviewing Mr. Jenkins, he was charged with first-degree murder of Mr. Harris. Mr. Jenkins made his initial appearance before the General Sessions Court of Rutherford County and has a pending court date of August 23rd of this year. Mr. Jenkins is awaiting his court date in custody of the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center. On May the 15th, 2018, a citizen called 911 and told the dispatcher that a man was sitting in the middle of the roadway at West Main Street and Bridge Avenue. According to the citizen, the man in the street was saying that he had shot someone. The Murfreesboro Police Department quickly responded to the location, but before the police arrived, the man got up and ran away. The fleeing man was later apprehended and identified as 27-year-old Brandon Robichaud. The Murfreesboro Police investigation led them to the in-town suites on Old Fort Parkway. Inside one of the hotel rooms, the police located the body of 37-year-old Leanna Austin. Leanna Austin had been shot to death. Based on the investigation, Detective Doug Arrington arrested Robichaud and charged him with the murder of Leanna Austin. A trial date had been set in this case, but that date has now been canceled. At the request of the defense, the trial was postponed pending a mental health evaluation of Brandon Robichaud. That evaluation has now concluded. On August the 27th, in the courtroom of Judge David Bragg, Brandon Robichaud entered a plea of guilty to the offense of second-degree murder and received a sentence of 20 years to serve. At his plea, Brandon Robichaud was represented by the Rutherford County Public Defender Gerald Melton and Assistant Public Defender Caleb McCain. The state was represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Dana Minor. Brandon Robichaud remains in the custody of the Rutherford County Jail, awaiting transfer to the Tennessee Department of Corrections. <clears throat> Pardon me. On May the 4th, 2017, the Murfreesboro Police Department began an investigation into the shooting death of Jesse Buford. Buford was shot at the student quarters apartments here in Murfreesboro. The shooting was captured on videotape. On May the 6th, 2017, Detective James Abbott arrested 19-year-old Lamoris Jones in Jackson, Tennessee. Lamoris Jones had a trial scheduled to begin on April the 6th, 2020. However, 
Due to the coronavirus pandemic, the trial was rescheduled. The trial is now set to start on November the 30th and run through December 3rd. The trial will be presided over by Rutherford County Circuit Court Judge David Bragg. At the trial, Lamoris Jones will be represented by Nashville Attorney Wesley Clark. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Brent Pierce. Presently, Lamoris Jones remains in the Rutherford County Jail, awaiting his court date. 54-year-old Martin Benito Montmire is scheduled to appear in the courtroom of Judge David Bragg on October the 16th. Martin Montmire is charged with the first-degree murder on March 31, 2019. At approximately 3 a.m., the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to the Montmire home on the 400 block of Sunset Avenue in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Once inside the home, they discovered the body of Martin Montmire's wife, 53-year-old Judith Montmire. Judith Montmire had been killed by knife wounds that she had suffered at the hands of her assailant. Judith Montmire was the manager at Donut Country, located on Memorial Boulevard. Following the initial investigation, Murfreesboro Detective Jacob Fountain charged Martin Montmire with the murder of his wife, Judith Montmire. Martin Montmire will be represented by Rutherford County Assistant Public Defender Ben Wetzel. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Dana Minor. In this case, the state has given notice that if Martin Montmire is convicted of murder, it will be seeking a sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. Martin Montmire is also being held for a Texas parole violation on two prior murder convictions. Martin Montmire remains in state custody at the Rutherford County Jail, awaiting court action. On April the 30th, 2018... 17-year-old Yuji Cherubin was shot and killed at a Laverne residence while his two siblings sat with him in his car. According to the Laverne Police Department, Cherubin went to an address in the 2000 block of George Buchanan Drive in Laverne, Tennessee. Cherubin was in the process of attempting to buy an iPhone when he was shot in the face and robbed. Cherubin later died at a local hospital. Within 24 hours, the Laverne Police Department located and charged two juveniles with the murder of Yuji Cherubin. Earlier this year, the two juveniles were transferred to the adult courts by juvenile court judge Donna Scott Davenport. Now that the two juveniles have been adjudicated to be treated as adults, we can provide their names. They are Brian Berry and Marquise Hughes. On October 15th, Brian Berry and Marquise Hughes will make an appearance in the courtroom of Judge David Bragg. Brian Berry is being represented by Murfreesboro attorney Derek Howard. Marquise Hughes is represented by Assistant Public Defender Ben Wetzel. The state is being represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. Brian Berry and Marquise Hughes are currently being held in the Rutherford County Jail, unable to post bond. On August 27th, Tanner Lancaster appeared in the courtroom of Judge David Bragg. On that date, Judge Bragg set a review date to allow for further mental health evaluation. Rutherford County Sheriff's Detective Derek McCullough has charged 25-year-old Tanner Lancaster with the murder of his father, 61-year-old Perry Lancaster. The crime is alleged to have occurred on Friday night, September the 21st, 2018, at the Lancaster home on Brook Run Road in Rutherford County, Tennessee. Tanner Lancaster is represented by Rutherford County Public Defender Ben Wetzel. The state is being represented by Assistant District Attorneys Dana Minor and Trevor Lynch. Currently, 
Tanner Lancaster is being held at the Rutherford County Jail, unable to make bond. On December the 8th, 2016, Murfreesboro Police located the body of Francisca Gomez Cordero in a wooded area off of Elam Road. Francisca Gomez Cordero was an Hispanic female. Based on their investigation, Murfreesboro detectives have now filed charges against Romulo Hernandez Mayorga. Mayorga has thus far eluded capture. If you have information regarding this case or the whereabouts of Romulo Hernandez Mayorga, please contact Detective Doug Arrington of the Murfreesboro Police Department. The number to call is 615-893-1311. That number again, 615-893-1311. That will conclude our journey through the courts. We do have some update as to what has happened to the law over the course of the session, uh, the legislative session this year, and then the special session that followed. A few changes that impact criminal charges. In a charge of evading arrest, if damage is done to government property, it is now mandatory that restitution be paid. More importantly, the charge of aggravated rape of a child means that a child under the age of nine, so eight and under, that penalty will now be life without parole. This is going to mean that any charge of aggravated rape of a child will see, receive the same scrutiny as a murder case. It's a very important charge. I am glad that this change has been made. It will serve to protect the children of the county. At the end of the special session, that concluded here recently with the legislature. Uh, the listeners may be familiar with instances taking place in Nashville uh, involving rioting and burning, other problems. The legislature has passed a couple of laws uh, to address the situation. First, they have made assault on a first responder a separate offense from the crime of simple assault or aggravated assault. Simple assault on a first responder now requires a 30-day minimum sentence to serve and a $5,000 fine. An aggravated assault on a first responder requires a minimum sentence of 90 days and a $15,000 fine. Camping on state property uh, has now received strict notice requirements, but it has been charged as a felony. There are other requirements that have been put in place, and I would advise the listener to check them out if there is any intent on attending a protest on government property. I'll now hand the program off to J. Paul Newman. And we'll be back in just one minute. This is Jason with Tire World. We're having our annual at-cost tire sale now through Saturday. That's right, all tire brands will be sold at cost for one week only. Not only will all tire prices be drastically reduced, but increased savings with manufacturer rebates as well. So if you're in need of tires and looking for the best price around, you will not want to miss Tire World's annual at-cost tire sale. At Tire World, we keep your family rolling. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family-owned and operated since 1989. Hey, guys, I'm Marcellus from Bubba Gandy Seafood, the freshest seafood in town with a new delivery every single week. The Gandy name started in the seafood industry over 60 years ago in Panama City, Florida, now in the borough. On Memorial Boulevard, across from the sports Club. 
This is Jason with Tire World. We're having our annual at-cost tire sale now through Saturday. That's right. All tire brands will be sold at cost for one week only. Not only will all tire prices be drastically reduced, but increased savings with manufacturer rebates as well. So if you're in need of tires and looking for the best price around, you will not want to miss Tire World's annual at-cost tire sale. At Tire World, we keep your family rolling. COVID-19 has changed our world. And First National Bank of Murfreesboro is here to help you. During these uncertain times, it's good to have a friend to walk with you and help with financial guidance. First National Bank of Murfreesboro is here to help you with free text banking, bill paying, mobile deposits, and more. I'm Shelly Rigsby, manager of First National Bank of Murfreesboro. And I'm Amanda Gentry. Now a part of the Capstar Bank family, member FDIC. Every homicide, every rape, every robbery affects the entire community. People who are victims of these crimes need closure. The people who committed these crimes must be held accountable. Law enforcement needs the community's help in seeking justice. Please listen as we review an unsolved mystery in this month's Cold Case Profile. On May 22, 2010, Nathan Morgan Jr. was visiting friends at 1401 Eagle Street here in Murfreesboro. Just after midnight, shots were fired into the crowd that was gathered in the front yard. Three people were struck by the gunfire. Lewis Sweeney of Nashville was treated at Middle Tennessee Medical Center for injuries to the neck and shoulder area. Byrus Hughes of Murfreesboro was also wounded and was treated and released at a local hospital. The third person shot was Nathan Morgan, Jr. Mr. Morgan was pronounced dead that night at Middle Tennessee Medical Center. Through the investigation, it was learned that one or more persons fired the shots from an outside area of the residence next door to 1401 Eagle Street. The weapon appears to have been a rifle, and multiple shots have been fired. He left behind a family that included his mother, his sister, and a daughter who misses him each and every day. Law enforcement and the family of Nathan Morgan, Jr. now ask for your help. Violent crimes will continue as long as good people remain silent. If you have any information regarding the murder of Nathan Morgan, Jr., please come forward. Asking for your help today is Detective James Abbott of the Murfreesboro Police Department. You can contact Detective Abbott by calling 893 893- 2717. That number again is 893 2717. Or you can call Crime Stoppers at 893 STOP, which is 893 7687. Detective Abbott, in listening to my presentation of the case summary, are there any facts that I need to correct or any facts that you would like to include for the public's consideration? Based on the statements and information gathered and cooperating evidence that we have, we know that there are, there are some other facts out there that that we now know. One of these is being that we do have a person of interest who has been identified and has been identified through, uh, like as I said, cooperating evidence and information and, and statements given by individuals. Uh, we know that there was a phone call or a series of phone calls made before the shooting. 
uh, and after the shooting. And uh, so, and we believe that these phone calls that the individual discussed the shooting. So, uh, you know, the, so we do believe those, those are facts of the case that we need people to to hear about and 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 try to generate more leads and, and get those people who received those phone calls to come forward. Can you describe uh, up to this point the cooperation of the public in general during this investigation? We received uh, we received uh, some, uh, some cooperation from the public. I mean, I'm not going to say say we haven't. We've actually we've had several people. We would not be to this little point now without that cooperation, knowing that 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 there was these phone calls made uh, and that pointed us into the right into the direction we needed to obtain the evidence uh, to cooperate all this information. Um, but we but we need more we 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 feel that these people probably or someone has talked about these uh talked about what the conversations were uh to other people and, and we're needing them to come forward anyone who has any information can you describe for us the cooperation you've received from the family during the investigation uh the family has been very supportive um you know, they they understand that this is a process. Uh, sometimes it can be a long process, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, they also, um, you know, they're it's it's gone on too long, and 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 they're wanting closure. And um, I understand that, and 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 feel for a family who who has to go through this. Um, but I mean, again, they they've been very supportive. It, Anything that we've needed, any type of assistance, uh, you know, they they do everything they can to help us, um, and they and they understand that that again, this is a long process, and they understand that that sometimes our priorities are taken away on other more uh, immediate ca- uh, cases, um, but but again, they you know they know that that they we will refocus back on this case. Again, I mean. Uh, Ms. Pringle and me, myself, we, we discuss this case. Uh, we talk about it probably monthly, sometimes even weekly on the phone. Uh, we, she will, she'll call me, or, or if I have some new information, I will call her. So, uh, but, so, and, that, and that's really good that, to have her commu- still communicating, still staying in touch with us about the case. You know, I don't want to say they lose interest, but sometimes the family loses. Uh, families in cases like this sometimes just th- th- they they begin to uh you know feel there's nothing happening or nothing can be done and, and they and they just they quit communicating with us and, and that's something we need them to do is continue to communicate with us i noticed when i was preparing for this particular broadcast i, I got on the internet and i found where they had a memorial uh service at centennial park in nashville and i think that they may have actually set up a fund uh to supplement the reward that is presently being offered by crime stoppers uh, are you familiar with with that situation? Uh, actually, I'm, I, I, underst- I understand that they did do that. Uh, I'm not sure uh, how much or, or what they have done. I believe that they're, they're still working on all of that. Um, to be honest with you, when it comes to just as we talked about the old Charlie's reward, I do not put myself, I do not try to be aligned or, or know anything about mm-hmm. that because I don't want it to come back later in a, in a courtroom and say well hey you know you you know because of this reward people were given you know you know their base their information was bought uh so i try to stay clear of of any rewards also while i was preparing and going on the internet it was quite easy and and i 
I recommend for the listening audience, if they want more information, to go on the Internet. And if you simply put uh, Nathan Morgan Jr. in as a Google search, you'll come up with several articles that were published in the paper. You'll also find uh, YouTube videos. And I saw one that lasted some six or seven minutes where you were the featured person. Can you tell us how you set that up? Yes, sir. We did a we did a reenactment, which is part of a which was part of a Crime Stoppers commercial, which uh, ran here in Rutherford County, which can still be seen on YouTube. Uh, and when we did the reenactment, we also held a press conference with some of the local TV media outlets uh, here in the area, and uh, so. We, we try to get that information out through the press conference, through you still have it on YouTube uh, and, and other various outlets. Uh, also, uh, you know, we periodically, like I said, continue to talk to people that uh, in the community or uh, in, in the neighborhood where this occurred, trying to get some information, uh, trying to put it back out there in front of people because, you know, we, we want to keep it out there in front of people um, because this is a case that we believe, like I said, you know, we know we based on information and evidence that we've already obtained. Um, you know, we believe that, that these phone calls were made, and uh, we just need to find those people that that have that talked to this individual, or or individuals that talked to these people, friend, family member, um, you know, an old cellmate. I hate to say, you know, but but anybody who will come forward and talk to us, because like as I said, this is a case. Um, I believe it is solvable, and, and honestly, you know, with the right one or two people that would come forward, this case could be, I believe, in front of a grand jury uh, very quickly. So this is not just a case where we're just sitting here and we have no clue whatsoever. Um, you know, like I said, it, it is a very solvable case, I feel, if the right people will come forward. I believe General Weitzel may have a couple of questions for you. Pa- Paul, uh, you know this. James, uh, I know you know. Uh, it's very important. Uh, on these cases uh, and this one I, as they get age on them we want people to know that we don't forget about them and as you mentioned it is very important to, for the family to keep in touch and also for us to keep in touch with the families uh, we've got somebody out there that's that's a, a murderer and I know people are sometimes fearful they're afraid if they give information or something that uh, something may happen to them and and certainly I can understand that, but we need people to come forward and put a violent person behind bars. If this person is arrested and charged and convicted, everybody knows that, and hopefully it would make somebody uh, think twice about taking a human life, and so... Uh, it's dedication on the part of the police and the investigators, but it's also a dedication on the part of our citizens to be a part of the process because without them, we cannot pursue, arrest, and prosecute these cases. And they're responsible just as much in a way as the police are for making their community a safer place. So I would certainly urge anyone with any information on this or other cases to come forward. As we end our program today, we thank our producer, Nick Coyne. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. Most of all, we thank you for listening. Our next scheduled broadcast is Friday morning, October the 2nd at 8, 10 a.m. 
on your good neighbor station, WGNS. We leave by saying, a safe community is the responsibility of each and every one of us. For my co-host, Jennings Jones, this is Paul Newman, bidding all of you a safe and blessed day. The District Attorney's Office thanks you for listening to today's program. If you have any information regarding criminal activity in our community, please contact one of our law enforcement agencies. The information presented on today's show is solely for informational benefit and not intended to be legal advice. You should always consult an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Rutherford County's most trusted name in news. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro. Receive breaking news, sports scores, traffic, and weather bulletins on your cell phone. Sign up for text alerts at WGNSRadio.com. The voice of Rutherford County, the flagship station for Blue Raiders sports. Time on the courthouse clock is 9 o'clock. Now an update.